you are a new listener, we encourage you to listen to our previous episodes, and we also want to thank you for taking the time to tune into to today's. Wrong. <laughs> I can't. It's fine. Welcome to the Genji Stoic Podcast, Episode Eight: A Conversation Around Mental Health. I'm your co-host Mateo. And I'm your co-host Run. If you're a new listener, we highly encourage you to listen to our previous episodes, and we also would like to take the time to thank you for tuning in with us today. Yeah, and we're excited to announce that um, in the coming weeks, we're going to open up a main a live stream event. Uh, we It's kind of just an idea we've thought of. We haven't decided on a platform or a date yet, uh, but we just like to get feedback on what you guys would like to see in the form of a live stream event. Mm-hmm. So you can ask us questions in real time, and we can give advice to people who want mm-hmm. it or need it, and it's a good way for us to engage with you guys. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, on that note, uh, we're going to be talking about um, a lot of uh, conversation around mental health today, which is going to include depression and anxiety, both um, both very prominent issues in our generation, I believe, is, again, we talked about social media use has increased, and there's we're going to go very into depth about it today, but... Yeah, and like um, like you said, today we're just going to sp- focus specifically on depression and anxiety, which are the two most common Mm-hmm. Um, mental health disorders. Obviously, mental health is such a layered, nuanced conversation that we can't fit every single thing under the umbrella in one 40-minute episode. So we've chosen to f- focus on the two most common ones so we can give a proper amount of attention and appropriate amount of in-depth mm-hmm. analysis to these problems. Um, this is something that I think both mm-hmm. of us at times have struggled with, and I think it's just part mm-hmm. of the larger Gen Z population has really stood out in terms of mental health numbers. Mm-hmm. It's we call it a mental health crisis now, and the statistics don't lie. In a Harmony Healthcare September 2022 study, I know first time we're mentioning like citing sources sure. on this podcast <clears throat> that isn't a stoic, but 42% of Gen Z has been diagnosed with a mental health condition, and 31% rated their mental health status as bad in 2022. And there are a variety of causes for that, but the obvious problem is the fact that mental health is more prominent in Gen Z than it ever has been before. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with. That's why you see suicide rates spiking in the population. And it's something that stoicism actually really ties hand in hand with in terms of addressing mental health and coming up with healthy solutions that aren't just medication. Yep. Yeah, so one of the biggest factors of mental health issues today seems to stem from social media usage. Um, the Journal of American Medical Association in 2019 did a study that showed suicide rates for ages 15 to 24 peaked in 2019, um, which obviously I think, as we're going to talk about more, is definitely coming from uh, an increase in social media use. But contributing to high youth depression and suicide rates in America are social media use and a greater willingness of families and officials to acknowledge suicide as a cause of death, which is also said by the Journal of American Medical Association. But then uh, in 2020, uh, the Annie E. Casey Foundation found that um, 80% of suicides were among those aged 15 to 24, male only. Yeah, so 80% of all suicides in kind of our age group, a lot of our audience, is male. But we're going to treat today as something where it can help male men and women equally Mm -hmm. um mental health is certainly a problem across the board it should be addressed with the same sincerity and the same sense of urgency Mm -hmm. across the board and it's a clear issue 
like like we said in that study, suicide rates peaked in 2019. We are at right. historic highs in terms of suicides, in terms of depression, in terms of anxiety, across the board mental health-wise. And these mm-hmm. have dramatic effects. Obviously, suicide is terrible. It affects the person, obviously, affects communities and disrupts lives. It It's a really tragic event. And depression and anxiety similarly destroy lives. And so it's important that we have a discussion around this with people who are being disproportionately affected by that, coming from people who are growing up in that environment and have had similar problems. Mm-hmm. We talk about you know social media use also certainly playing a role as the pandemic. We came out of COVID and being locked at home where our only contact was through social media. Mm-hmm. It's just proof that social media isn't really a sustainable and effective form of connectivity and of social interaction. Right. Um, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, from 2016 to 2020, children aged 3 through 17 diagnosed with anxiety grew 29%. Depression grew 27%. Mm-hmm. The pandemic had obvious negative mental health effects to a lot of our generation, and we're still recovering from it. Mm-hmm. But we can recover with stoicism. Of Both of us recovered with stoicism. Um, me personally, I kind of followed the line where I was I was chilling, and then pandemic hit, and I had a lot of issues it, come it up. It certainly between. just changed the entire paradigm and the way that the world worked from that point forward. Well, and social media was our only way to kind of connect with each other, and it right. didn't work because we'll talk about it mm-hmm. in more in depth. But social media creates those kind of right. sense of meaning, fear, missing out, not getting real connection mm-hmm. kind of phenomenon, which then. You know, people don't feel heard, people feel left out, people, you know, don't feel recognized, and that leads to kind of mental health negative effects. And also following the pandemic, I want to say another statistic um, from the Environmental Protection Agency in 2021 found that Americans are now spending 90% of their time inside. Um, I'll talk about this later, but I think this is also a huge underlying factor that has led to a lot of depression and anxiety is we are not in nature in the sun anymore, and if as you know, the sun uh, helps produce vitamin D in our ser- regulate our serotonin levels, which increase our happiness. And we'll talk about that later. But that also as well, since the pandemic, things have been much more inside. We're not going out as much anymore. You know, it's a lot easier to just do things virtually. Um, and we'll talk about it later, like I said. But that's also something that is underlying but a big cause. Well, that's the thing about mental health is there are a myriad of disorders. There's a myriad of situations. And there's a myriad of factors that go into it you know these medical associations they attribute social media but it's also we become more cognizant of what mental health is and how to report Mm -hmm. it and so those are obviously going to inflate numbers Mm -hmm. um you talk about sunlight in terms of we're you know sunlight we're not going outside screen time we're on screens more sleep habits like there's so much that goes into mental health that it's hard to have a full discussion in 40 minutes but we're going to try our best and we're going to start with um kind of our personal journeys and lend some insights mm-hmm. we've gained on mental health, especially through stoicism. Yeah, so ahead. if you'd like me to go first. So um, like I was saying, I kind of followed the general trend line in terms of mental health and its negative effects during the pandemic. I would say, I mean, I was a genuinely happy kid. And then high school started freshman year. I went to a different school than I went, than the one I went to now. And I did, I got bullied and it was kind of just a negative headspace where like I didn't have a lot of friends I was getting bullied um just the kind of academic environment of high school was kicking kicking me in the rear end 
and just kind of coalesced to where like um I wasn't happy and I would go home and I would just go to sleep and like I wasn't having living a very productive healthy life and then that kind of changed I um transferred from that high school and then the there was like a brief like two month period where I was like okay so things are looking better now and then the pandemic shut down the mm-hmm. school and so obviously you know you go to a school for like a month after you transfer you don't have time to make connections and so right. I went through the pandemic no social interaction little to no social interaction um very few friends and started to see some kind of splintering in my home life which a lot of people saw during COVID that's also another Certainly. thing mm-hmm. is that COVID kind of forced the hand of family issues and so I would say that I wasn't necessarily in a downward spiral, but I wasn't in a positive headspace for a large part of my high school career, and it was just something where I would go through the day and I'd be like, you know, I have no friends, I don't have people that care about me, you know, it's the traditional mindset where you're like, oh, no one would care if I'm gone, and like, I've been at that place, and it's not a fun, like, it's obviously not a fun, it's a dark place, and I would say that i I lived there for probably two years and I didn't have any tools to really help me. I was somebody who was stubborn and didn't realize the problems of mental illness. I rejected therapy, which we'll have a later episode on the value of therapy, but I rejected therapy. I rejected talking about my emotions with other people. And you might say, well, that's exactly what stoicism is about, but it's really not. And it took me hitting rock bottom in May of 2022, where I was still in that headspace, um, emotionally, mentally, my family life had kind of gone into a really dark place. We talked about in our family episode abuse. My former stepfather became abusive to my mother and I, and so we were kind of just there was just a blow in every single area. Life socially, hits you. life hit you like a bus, and it was it's really hard. to Socially, I was not in a good space academically I was overworked and kind of burnt out family life was really it was really a struggle for me and it just kind of coalesced to where like I broke down in May and I was I've told you like I was at a point where I was rock bottom and Mm -hmm. that was kind of the turning point for me it was both applying stoic values discovering stoicism and seeking out and getting help and i think that's what we're going to talk about today in terms of our solutions it's a two-part thing at least for me it was and that's Mm -hmm. what i'm two of the ways that i would recommend i started reading philosophy and i discovered stoicism and i was like these things are happening to me Mm -hmm. but they're outside of my control and you know if i talk about for sure if i go through life you know with that mindset of you know i don't have friends i don't have this i don't have that and that's my fault and you get in a very negative headspace, which is what happens with mental health. There's no shame in that. When you get in that headspace, you just keep going down. Mm-hmm. There's no way to recover versus if you gain control of your mind, you gain control of your mindset, you gain control of your situation. Right. And so it was that, and it was reaching out for help. Well, for like you said, like if you're looking at all the things that you don't have or the things that are bad, you won't, you'll overlook the things that you do have and the things that are you'll overlook the things that you do have and the things that are going well for you. And, you know, that's 
I'm sure we all we appreciate you sharing that, and you know it's not easy to talk about now. Well, can... I think one of the stigmas you mentioned the statistic that 80% of suicides um, in this population are men. One of the stigmas of kind of masculinity that gets thrown around in society is to not talk about your feelings, and I think stoicism sometimes gets misunderstood as you just hide your emotions. Mm-hmm. You use them in a way that's appropriate. If your emotions sure. are taking control of you to a point where like you feel like you're worthless you feel like you don't have anybody that's obviously a time to share them there Mm -hmm. there's there is no shame whatsoever in sharing emotions if you feel that's the thing that you need Mm -hmm. it's just you know knowing when that is recognizing when that is and you know balancing oversharing versus undersharing and to me like this is uncomfortable it does feel like oversharing but i feel like it provides value perspective to our audience that like I've I've been there. I understand what a lot of people go through. Mm-hmm. You can get through it, and stoicism can be a helpful tool it for really that. It really can. I think you're in a much better place now, or at least coming up from where you used to be for sure. And I'll go. I guess I'll transition that into mine, my journey. I guess as well, because I've definitely been there and can relate to. You. I think, you know, freshman year, I I had transferred from a different district. And so I didn't really know anybody. I was kind of, I was new, looking for, just wanted to be accepted and honestly, whatever. And I kind of started off with the wrong group of people. Um, just what, they they didn't really align with me, I guess. But it was, they were, they cared about me, I felt like. So I was like, okay, this is fine because I'm, I'm accepted here. I'm fitting in. But then it, it kind of went on and I kind of jumped around friend groups, if you want to label it that. Um just trying to meet new people, discover who I was really surrounding myself with at this new school. And then at the like the middle, the last third of freshman year is when COVID hit and then everything shut down. And that, that, that didn't really affect me as much. I think what was tough was in April of 2020 is when we couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go anywhere. I was inside. We were inside for like a month or two, and that was really tough. But I would say I think rock bottom for me was... September through December of 2020 and then September through December of 2021. The first time was just really hard because we had just entered our sophomore year of high school and we hadn't gone to school all year. And then winter came, it was cold, the what it was dark, everything was dead. It was really just the environment, the physical environment was really tough and I found myself with no purpose. I didn't really have any I didn't really have close friends at that time. I had a few, but mm-hmm. It was, I felt lonely. I felt like I didn't know where I was going. I felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere. And then it got better. I, I started lifting in January 2021, which completely changed my life. And I am so thankful that I found that. It kind of got better. Um, 2021 was an interesting year, to say the least. It was transitioning out of a pandemic, but not escaping it fully. And then so that winter of 2021 hit again and I found myself in the exact same mental space where I was the year before um kind of lost kind of still feeling like I'm just going through the motions of high school I don't really know what I'm doing what I want to do but I would say in June of 2022 is when I discovered stoicism and started awakening to the truth and that is when things drastically changed um we have made it through another September through December in 2022, and I did not feel sad one bit. Certainly, that doesn't mean I didn't encounter any struggles, but 
in finding stoicism and kind of discovering the truth about the world and how it works and what's lacking, what's majorly lacking, what's identifying the causes of these stressors of depression and anxiety and all these mental illnesses and learning to adapt in the world and the circumstances that you have changed my life completely. And I think it's definitely easy to still fall under that feeling of being stressed or feel even being depressed is normal and i've definitely been depressed but i wouldn't say that i've had depression feeling sad is one thing but allowing it to consume you is a completely different thing i would say so how i define it is being depressed is like you are depressed you experience it for a long time versus having depressive thoughts or Mm -hmm. depressive mood swings or exactly depressive behaviors i certainly experienced depressive thoughts for sure and that i think that's completely normal that's fine but it's a normal part of life and i think right. what we've both learned not to speak for you but what we've both learned is that those kind of thoughts that kind of pain is temporary mm-hmm. but the mindset that you establish gets you through those and establishes a permanent sense of drive a permanent sense of purpose especially in the long term a permanent sense of belonging certainly well with that um you know i think for you guys we just want to be vulnerable with you and express our personal experiences and try to relate to you in case you're going through something again you can always reach out to our accounts we'll be we are an open ear we would love to talk to you or give you advice or just listen um but with that i think we're going to move in to our first section of this episode which is depression so if you'd like to start us off i would just like to start off before we kind of get into like what depression is and you know some advice that we have our intention is to just kind of throw ideas out there mental health one idea works for the next person one solution works for the next person and then it doesn't for the other person Mm -hmm. works for one person doesn't work for the next so we're just throwing out some tools that we've utilized some tools that we've heard from other people that have worked with the hopes that we can help anybody who is struggling we do not want to come off as saying you know do this or do that or criticize people for experiencing some things. Mm -hmm. All we want to do is just set out to help people. And I think it's important that we put our personal experiences in there to show you guys that we understand where these issues come from. We've experienced some of them and that we understand that telling somebody who's going through mental health issues to do this or do that is not helpful. Mm -hmm. So we're not telling you to do anything that we outline. We're just saying, listen, and if you think it's a good idea for you, please, please try it. Please implement it. Let us know how it goes. I think the reason we use stoicism especially is just because it can be certainly an all-encompassing mindset or set of beliefs. Mm -hmm. If one aspect of stoicism doesn't work for you, I I could confidently say that I believe that there would be an area that can, even if it's only one. It's it's really all of philosophy. I know we specialize, we've followed stoicism, but all of philosophy, if you follow, if you look through all the teachings, there's something that will stick out to you. There's Mm -hmm. something that... You will learn or you will apply. And you have to look at it from an unbiased point of view. It's like, what is, what do, what do I align with? Let's uh, talk about um, our first topic today, which is depression. Depression has a lot of different forms. I know you talked about, interestingly enough, that September, December period, um, there's something called, I think it's seasonal depressive disorder mm-hmm. or something like that, where it is based on season. But that's one example. You have bipolar disorder, which includes like depressive periods. You have obviously clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just working off the general definition that it's a de- persistent sadness and a lack of interest or pleasure 
and activities that you previously enjoyed or experiencing new activities. Um, like we said, these problems are really, like, they're all-encompassing. They kind of destroy a lot of aspects of your life. Depression itself, like, you know, it disturbs sleep, it disturbs, disturbs appetite, it disrupts motivation, um, you know, poor concentration, lack of focus. Those are all kind of symptoms of depression. And so it's it's a really harmful period of life. And like we said, we're increasingly seeing amount of Gen Z experiencing that. However, stoicism can be used as a tool. It really can. One of the um, prominent treatments of depression around therapy is cognitive-based therapy, or CBT. It's um, not like traditional talk therapy, but where you work through changing your mindset and your thought process by recognizing kind of the distortions in your thought versus what's actually happening. Some self-destructive behaviors, you have self-destructive thoughts. And it's been proven to be effective by the American Medical Association, by Mayo Clinic, through studies, it's effective at treating depression and anxiety, which we'll talk about later. But if you look at CBT and you look at kind of what it's based in, changing your mindset, you can obviously draw the roots back to stoicism. Stoicism is all about changing your mindset constantly for positive, for positive things. And if this is one of the most effective treatments that we have out there, and you can connect it to stoicism, obviously stoicism is going to have applications to improving depression. Um, you look at some resources, you look at How Stoicism Helped Me Overcome Depression by Andrew Overby, somebody who um, was in a depressive episode and discovered stoicism, really discovered Epictetus, and applied that to a situation. And um, you can read, it's on modernstoicism.com, you can read the article, but it's a really cool story of how he applied it to get over that depressive episode. He talks about depressive realism, which is a scientific theory that those with depression make more accurate judgments of the world and see things for what they are. Um, they see things kind of more black and white than mm -hmm. the average person. <clears throat> and Overby really interestingly calls it like a diamond in the rough where um, these people who are experiencing depression have a kind of tool that they can use, but it's used for self-destructive behaviors. But he outlines how stoicism can be used to kind of chip away that and make it an actual diamond. And that's certainly true. If stoicism preaches, you know, only worry about things that are in your control, um, use your judgments um, to fuel your mind to become stronger and more resilient. If they see the world more accurately, they're going to more accurately be able to judge what's inside of their control and outside of their control. And so if you turn to stoicism with those tools, you become a very prominent stoic philosopher. You become very good at living the stoic values it's just making that transition on another resource you can use is henry manimpering who i really like he's introducing stoicism to indonesia currently with um some of his books cool. same same story um he was experiencing a depressive episode and he turned to stoicism he really got into i think it was aurelius i believe in meditations and he discovered the same thing he discovered you know if I change my mindset, I'm gonna change my situation. And depress depression certainly isn't something where you're like, okay, I'm not sad anymore. Yeah, right. But there's something to be said that if this therapy, cognitive-based therapy works, if people can use stoicism to get out of their own situations, there's some asset, there's some aspect of stoicism that you can apply to your situation that will help you. It's not something where I'm saying stoicism, go to stoicism and then you're not going to be depressed anymore. That's obviously not how it works.
but use the tools to not be worried about things that are outside of your control. Not be worried about others' opinions of you. Mm -hmm. Some of the kind of trivial things are going to be washed away from your conscience. Now, depression is certainly not the event of trivial things. It's not one traumatic event. It's key events, you know, that cause you to be that way. Like, for me, it was a lot of social stuff and then the family issues. But too often, when you're in that depressive state, those key events influence how you see trivial events. And trivial events become things that you worry about when, in reality, why do they matter? Mm-hmm. We talked about um, some of the things that you can't concern yourself with, trivial things like fake friends or a lot of stuff we see in high school and around meaningless stuff of social media. Apply stoicism to that and not worry about the trivial things, worry about yourself, worry about your mindset. And you'll see that maybe those trivial things you worried about that contributed to the reason why you were sad today don't no, no longer influence you and you become a happier person. Uh, Marcus Aurelius says that just remember you can endure anything your mind can make endurable by treating it as in your interest to do so. It's harder to do that. I know it's harder to do that. It's much easier for those, said than done. Uh, for the, and especially for those key events. If those key events were enough to kind of get you in that mindset, they were obviously significant, and there's no shame in being sad over them. But everybody can work to minimize the influence of them. Everybody can work to disregard trivial um trivial things and I think it's just a process um, you have to treat it as something that's a priority to you something in your interest to do so and fortify your mind fortify your mind to kind of not accept those negative thoughts about yourself not accept the negative thoughts about a lot of things and instead ask yourself why do I care about these issues why do they make me feel down that was something that I went through when I was going through my stoicism journey after hitting rock bottom in May is if something got me down, I would come home and instead of, you know, being sad about it, being emotional about it, you know, like I said, going to sleep early, not doing things, I would sit down and be like, why do I care about this issue? Like, why does this have the power over me when in reality I should have the power over it? Mm -hmm. And if you go through that process, it becomes a lot easier because especially in a teenage realm, nine times out of 10, you're going to find that issue was, was nothing. And it becomes a process of, well, why was I sad about it in the first place? And you say you, you find that it becomes nothing, but I think, that, like you said, the first step, you really have to find your purpose and understand your your role in the world as well. Like, if you are someone who prioritizes, you know, kind of social media and just, like, what other people think of you, and you may not realize that you prioritize those things, but once you become aware that you are prioritizing the wrong things that's the key is to become aware of yourself and being brutally honest with the fact that you may not be perfect in that aspect that's then that's where it becomes a lot easier to be like okay well i'm not going to worry about something trivial like uh, social media or who liked my post or who's on my best friends list or something like that right Mm -hmm. well and we talked a lot about perception and how perception is kind of a harmful thing to a teenager perception causes a lot of issues I think perception ties hand in hand with beliefs and it's noted that people who are experiencing depressive disorders or mental health conditions around depression have a lot of negative self-beliefs and view their situation more negatively. There's a really powerful quote from Tony Robbins who isn't, you know, isn't really a stoic, but I think it's such a powerful quote that beliefs have the power to create and the power to destroy 
Human beings have the awesome ability to take any experience of their lives and create a meaning that either disempowers them or that can literally save their lives. Mm -hmm. It's such a striking quote because it simply is true. When you go home and you experience those thoughts, you experience those beliefs around what happened with your day, it shapes your perception of how the day went. You can either use those thoughts to be like, you know, I don't really care about those things because today I did this, this, and this positively, and that's not going to weigh me down. And it builds you up. Or you can maintain the belief, you know, that, oh, this happened, and, you know, I suck because of this, or my day sucked because of this, and it right. tears you down. <clears throat> so, and I'm certainly acknowledging, it is much harder when you're in a state of depression, when you have mental health problems, it's much harder to wrap your mind around that. It's much more work, but it is feasible. Right. You can do it. Well, it's, it's interesting that you, s- that, that quote, because it, it's about kind of the perspective. Like, it depends on what you look, like, how you look at it and how you decide to use that event or the experience. But that also, I w- I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, and there's a, a similar example. It's not an experience, but it, for someone, let's say, if you had, like, a fitness goal, if you were trying to lean out and lose weight, eating a bagel with peanut butter in the morning might not be a good for, idea for you. But if you were trying to gain weight and bulk up and build muscle, then it is a good idea. It really just depends on your goal and your and how th- these things align with your purpose. Right, we've stressed, I think we've stressed in literally every episode that it starts internally and then you apply it externally. Right. The same is obviously true for this issue. You apply it internally, you start with the stoicism, and you start with only caring about things that are inside your control. You start with addressing why you care about perception, what you care about, what gets you down, what shouldn't get you down. You start with your mindset, and then you apply it externally. This isn't the only part of the solution. Another part of the solution is reaching out for help. And I think it's too stigmatized. I think that women do a, definitely do a better job in terms of talking about their emotions and reaching out at proper times. Um, but both, everybody could use work on reaching out. Mm-hmm. Men, men especially, but everybody can use that kind of help. And this is us telling you, if you need help, reach out for it. There is no shame in reaching out for help. I, there is a touching story. I don't know if you watch UFC, um, but Patty Pimlet, he's a yeah, and yeah, yeah. he had a friend like kill himself, and he mm-hmm. wins a UFC match, and he breaks down at the end, and he's you know he's like, yeah. I'd rather have you cry on my shoulder than have to go to your funeral, and I think mm-hmm. that's certainly true. Anybody who's close to you, anybody who's your friend, would much rather hear you complain, even if you think it's meaningless or if it's trivial. They'd much rather have that happen than to have you harm yourself or anything like that. They would much rather hear you out than not be able to speak to you again. So there's certainly something to be said about reaching out. And even if it isn't a friend, maybe you don't feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. professional, an adult, anybody you trust. Because speaking to anybody is better than suffering Mm -hmm. in silence. And if you feel like you can't reach out to an adult or if you don't have a friend or a resource, you can reach out to us. Again, I'll say it again. our, our DMs on Instagram are open. Um, send us a message or anything that you need or if you need advice or if you just want us to listen or if you need help, we are an open ear for you guys. So, Yeah, certainly. I, we, we're going to be there for anybody who needs us. We certainly realize the value of having close people who can give you valuable feedback or just be an open listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You, you apply the stoic values that we've already talked about. You apply control over your mind, control over your emotions. You apply, you limit the scope of 
perception on how you view your day, how you view your life. Mm -hmm. You check in with yourself based on yourself, not on others' opinions. Mm -hmm. And you reach out for help. I'll leave um, our discussion on depression with a statistic where they did an interesting study out of Birkbeck University of London. This was back in December of 2020, where they, over an eight-day period, they had three different groups. One group um, actively practiced stoicism every single day. Um, one group practiced it intermittently with other cognitive um, theories, and then another group was like a control group. And they found that those who were learning stoic lessons every day, practicing stoicism, were between 18 and 15% less likely to experience rumination, which they called the biggest predictor of future onset of depression. Mm-hmm. Stoicism, proven study, helps with managing depression and managing the onset of depression. And while you won't, per se, solve all of your problems with stoicism, I guarantee you that you'll solve one of them. You'll, you'll find a part of the solution. And finding a part and taking that first step is the, is the ultimate goal. It's, it's the starting point, and you have to start somewhere. I forget what episode we were talking about. There is no better time to try than now. Mm-hmm. So try now. There is nothing more important than your mental health. So why would you put it off? Why would you put off successful strategies? Try now. Get help, mm-hmm. whether it's reaching out to us, reaching out to a friend, reaching out to an adult, um, applying stoicism. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like, make the decision that's right for you and try now. There, I, there's nothing better you can do. You're certainly right. Like if you procrastinate now, then time is your enemy. But if you decide to start building good habits now, then time is going to become your greatest asset. It's the one thing that you can never get back. So, um, we're gonna transition that into our uh, guest spot mention. We have decided a final date for our decision, which will be March 31st, and we will decide that and send it out to the winner around 12. Uh, 12 p.m. on March 31st. So if you do not know what that is, if you're new, or even if you do know, um, the way to enter into this guest spot giveaway on our podcast will be to follow our Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube, uh, comment on our recent posts, and we will be looking and selecting by random a winner. Entry closes March 28th, so we can decide by March 31st. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that we can get the guest on an episode as soon as possible after that. Certainly. And uh, so with that, uh, I'd like to transition from depression into anxiety, which is, uh, they certainly can coexist, but I think ultimately they are different. So anxiety is defined as an intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Um, and this this can exist on a in an intense level, and even at a small scale level where you know, you're just worrying about small things or whether you're worrying about very large, significant events in your life. Um, the first thing I want to touch on is how there is a lot, especially in our generation, because it's very prominent, is social media induced anxiety. And so this can come from, you know, FOMO, which is fear of missing out, um, judgment and like, so what I mean by judgment, I guess, is a lot of times what we put out on social media, we worry whether it's unconscious or conscious, we tend to worry about, oh, are people going to like this? Do I look okay? Um, what are people going to think? And so whether you know it or not, that is that will compound over time and take a toll on both your physical and your mental health, um, as well as likes. You know, you're, it's the validation. It's, oh, I didn't get as many likes as I did on my last post, or they get so many likes and I don't. It's the tiny things, the negative self-talk that will compound over time and lead to more anxiety. 
uh, as well as this kind of stems from social media is worrying about the wrong problems. Uh, I like I call this artificial stress because you kind of create it yourself um, rather than it being natural. And what I mean by that is we touched on you touched on this earlier with um, depression is when you don't have a when you aren't necessarily clear with your vision and your purpose and who you are, it's a lot easier to worry about problems that are uh, trivial and I guess made up in your own mind. We talk, um, Marcus Aurelius talks about having anxiety and just getting rid of it because it's internal, that it's not external. He says, today I escaped from anxiety or no, I discarded it because it was within me in my own perceptions, not outside. Now, certainly that's not saying that anxiety cannot come from external things that you can't control but a lot of it in today's world stems from just the wrong perceptions and the wrong negative self-talk from internal your internal self which is interesting especially and it's very easy to fall into with social media and just constantly feeling these emotions of fear sadness happiness cringe all these emotions at the exact same time constantly being fed to you in consumption of these videos or pictures or whatever you are consuming. Um, so worrying about the wrong things, it's very easy to just see something and add it to your plate, which will increase your anxiety. But really, you have if you have no control over it, there's no point in worrying about it. Um, and then this is also something I want to touch into. Um, physical, if you, you can look it up on Google, this is the first thing you say, natural ways to reduce anxiety. And you will see physical activity, healthy diet, regular sleep, and relaxation exercise may all help reduce anxiety. Now, certainly, if you do all of those things, it doesn't mean you're going to never be anxious about anything ever again. But to touch on uh, a healthy diet, this is something that I've been researching for a while since June when I really started realizing it. And I'm conducting um, an AP research project on nutrition right now. I'll go into that. So specifically... In our foods, I want to talk about, I won't go off too much on a tangent about nutrition, but today's in today's stores, 90% of foods that are in our supermarkets did not exist 100 years ago. Now we talk about, when I mean, I mean like the, the, the types of cereals, the packaged desserts, etc. Like the added sugars and stuff. Exactly. Saturated fats, those kind of things. Processed sugars and seed oils are two things that I've been looking into a lot that I believe are underlying causes in health, both mental and physical. Um, we'll definitely have an episode on this in the future, so I don't want to go too far into it now. But um, and the next thing I want to jump into is nature. Like we said before, he, Americans have been shown in the 2021 study by the Environmental Protection Agency to spend 90% of their time indoors. Stress is relieved within minutes of exposure to nature. Uh, and this can be measured in muscle tension, blood pressure, and brain activity. It's been proven that time in green spaces significantly reduce your cortisol, which when you are stressed, your body produces cortisol. Uh, it's a stress hormone. And that nature boosts your endorphin levels and your dopamine production, which promote happiness. It's whenever you go on a hike, whenever you're out by the beach, you are instantly happier. I think that's safe to say for everybody. Not necessarily everybody, but I would say that's a safe generalization to make. That being outside, you feel much happier. Well, I feel like there's no coincidence that throughout human history, as we get more and more progressively industrialized to where 
you know, we're, we're building urban spaces, we're taking away those green spaces. You spend time indoors, you mm-hmm. don't get to enjoy the outside, the outside is polluted. Right. There's no coincidence that that has happened, and we've seen a progression in the amount of mental health problems of mm-hmm. society. There's exactly. no coincidence there. No coincidence at all, and I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's causation, but certainly correlation very strongly. And the thing with nature is that's something that Stoics discuss a lot. Um, they believe that nature is seen as an integral part of order and is understood to be one singular living organism which all living beings are connected to and interdependent with um so stoics believe that we should strive to align our own lives with the natural order of things and to live in harmony with nature the universe and one another because simply we are a product of nature and a part of it as well so all this time like you said, industrialized, spent inside on our phones, away from nature, away from the sun. Away from historically what humans have been a part of, what humans have enjoyed. How we have evolved as a species, just basic biology, being in the sun, being outside, getting physical activity. The lack of that in today is so prominent. And I think with anxiety, it's very easy to feel anxious when you're not happy and you're not, we don't have those natural sources of, um, real dopamine real dopamine i mean you're inside and you're on your phone that's the instant dopamine the instant gratification the fake happiness that sense of satisfaction but if you're outside that's where the true your brain begins to change and you begin to adapt to the natural world epictetus says that everything that happens in the world happens in accordance with the nature of the whole and this nature is a rational one i think what's important about nature not only is that to understand that we are a part of it but we live essentially an artificial life today everything is it's digital it's digitalized it's it's processed whether it's food or technology and that i believe is such a very strong um, contributor to anxiety is just the lack of being out in nature and being free and relaxed and happy and having this connection with the just the sole source of life which is earth and the sun grounding uh is something that's talked about when like when you go on a walk and you go barefoot and you're connecting with the grass that is such an anxiety reliever because you're connected with nature and it's very relaxing and you feel a part of the world that we're living in rather than part of the industrialization revolution that is almost destroying the natural world um I believe that your current life situation is stated as in the top four stress causers. Um, So applying stoic values to this, I believe that there are four staple things to master regarding anxiety that will help you drastically. And this doesn't go for everybody. Um, Some of these things may not work for you, but some of them might. So I just, I ask you to listen with open ears. Diet, physical health, sleep, and nature should be prioritized and this is again my opinion but like we said we've also list a lot of statistics that point that evidence to these things are very critical and not being anxious and just being happy with your diet if you don't have a good physical if you don't have good physical health your mental health is going to decline and that's that's a fact so taking care of your body whether it doesn't even have to be excessive weightlifting or excessive exercise but going for one walk a day over time you will see that start to change your mood and how you feel, especially if you're outside. Um, Diet, the foods that you are consuming, 
it's interesting because a lot of people don't know this, but your gut health is actually correlated to your serotonin production. So if you have an unhealthy gut, you are not going to feel as happy, which is why fast food is so detrimental to your health, not only physically, but mentally, because when your gut is not happy with those foods, you're not going to produce um, the endorphins that make you feel happy. Sleep. You, Ren, talk about sleep all the time and how you prioritize sleep. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Gen Z on average is around 6.5 hours of sleep, which is under the eight to nine. Mm -hmm. I, I'll even give you grace. It's a seven to nine yeah. recommended hours. Right. Well, and we mention all the time, I feel like if you want a further resource on like just the importance of sleep, Huberman, Huberman Lab podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've kind of introduced you to that more. Certainly. But we've talked about that before. Um, Andrew Huberman, great resource. Medical mm -hmm. doctor, great resource on this topic. But yeah, sleep is kind of what gets you through the day. It's what provides you energy. It's kind of recharging the batteries mm -hmm. and so if you're not going to prioritize recharging the battery i mean right. just use your phone as an example right Certainly. if you charge it up to 100 percent throughout the day you don't have to worry about it dying mm -hmm. and you not being able to use it throughout the day if you only decide okay i'm going to charge it right. for four hours tonight you wake up and it's 50 percent. it dies halfway throughout the day yep the same thing with sleep why would you choose to not charge the battery fully why would you not provide yourself relief mm -hmm. and enough sleep to get you through the day fully right. functional with enough energy to complete everything that you've set out to do right it's just a not smart decision and it also applies to mental health because you know less sleep your brain functions at a lower level and mm -hmm. you simply do not have the ability if you've ever gotten four hours of sleep if you don't have the cognitive ability to process like what you're learning mm -hmm. how are you going to have the cognitive ability to process the emotions you're experiencing mm -hmm. or the perceptions that you're seeing or the events that happen to you it's the same thing if you don't get a lot of sleep and then you bomb a test. Imagine what you're doing with your social interactions throughout the day. You're mm -hmm. bombing the social interactions. You're bombing your perceptions of the day. Right. And that adds up over time. And if you're getting, like you said in the statistics, six and a half hours of sleep every day, that's going to build up over time. Exactly. And that's not saying that one night of four hours of sleep is going to kill you. Because as long as you're getting a consistent seven to nine hours of sleep, you're going to be fine. But like you said, with a lack of sleep over time, you will see a decrease in uh, cognitive function and you'll see impaired cognitive abilities as well. And you said, if you can't judge the information you're taking in, how are you going to be able to judge your own emotions? And so if you're lacking the ability to process information and understand what you're being fed throughout the day, it's going to stress you out you're gonna be stressed that you're not understanding what you're feeling. And the last thing, like I was saying, uh, to touch on is nature. I would advise you, and I would totally recommend, just get out in nature, spend some time outside, even if it's in your backyard. You don't have to go on a hike every day, although that would be amazing. But if you can just get out into your backyard and get some sun, unfortunately we do live in Colorado where it is very cold, but get outside as much as you can and just breathe some fresh air even if you're walking in the snow or if you're just in the sun in your backyard, anything, nature heals. Being, like I said, being in nature, it boosts your endorphin levels and your dopamine production. You will feel so much happier spending five minutes outside a day, every single day, rather than taking those time, uh, those five minutes every day to be on your phone. It will make a difference. And success isn't necessarily measured in a linear fashion. It's definitely and exponential so you're start you're going to start out slow and then the more you keep up your good habits you're going to just see an increase a rapid increase faster than you've ever seen before so if you take these four things 
I guarantee your anxiety will start to decrease to a certain level. That doesn't mean you will never feel anxious, but these stoic values about taking care of your body, your body is your temple. So that, that goes back into diet, physical health and sleep, and then nature. Being a part of nature, not trying to avoid it or be indifferent of nature. Seeing yourself as one with the universe and with nature will help you um, relieve your anxiety. Well, I think what we're discussing here is the fact that we need to try. And it's very hard for people with these issues. It's very hard for a lot of people, even without these issues, to get up and try. But there's something they said, if you build these habits, you will see the payoff. And a lot of people say, well, oh, I'm just going to be stuck like this and it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it to improve myself, you know. I'm still going to experience these things, but if you're experiencing anxiety or depression seven days a week, how good would it feel to just have one day where it doesn't happen? It builds up over time, and it never completely goes away, but there are tools that we have outlined today which you can use to help eliminate some of the bad days, some of the mental health days, some of the problems. You can get out in nature. You can improve your sleep habits. You can reach out to friends. You can embrace the stoic ideals. Certainly. And what's interesting to me is you didn't mention meditation. I know meditation is a big thing for you. Do you think? It's funny because I think the thing with meditation is that I think I I would rather put these four staple um, practices rather than add too much to people's plates. Meditation, yes, certainly is a great way to reduce anxiety and to become a more calm and um, content individual. However, it's definitely hard when you're given tips and you're given too much to to handle at once. I would just, once you master the, not even master, just once you start incorporating these um, four aspects into your daily life and improving them, then certainly add meditation. Um, meditating is, finding your spirituality, whether it's religion or, you know, you're more of a nature, connected with nature, meditation type of person. They can all coexist. There's not one right way. But tapping into your spirituality and that side of yourself is certainly a great way to understand your emotions and why you think the way you do, which can reduce your anxiety for sure. The thing is, I feel like the reason that these habits are so hard to implement into lives is because they all provide delayed results. And in today's world, having things so accessible so quickly has built us, and this goes for almost every person who has a phone or who is on the internet or social media at all it you get instant gratification from essentially everything you do therefore activities that don't provide you immediate results are hard to see that they actually work lifting is a great example if you go to the gym for five days you're still going to be out of shape but if you go to the gym for five months now we're talking something different great things are not easy and that is for a reason they are they come with time and because it takes a while to start seeing results, that is what makes it truly satisfying and rewarding. So if you don't see results your first even week into implementing a better diet and your physical health and improving your sleep and getting out in nature, don't give up. Just keep practicing and you have to believe in something that you can't see yet because I promise you these will change your life drastically. Well, and follow the three-week cycle. Um, it's noted by psychologists that like to build a habit and to make it an actual habit and establish permanence, it takes three weeks. Mm-hmm. So my strategy has always been try something for three weeks. If you don't like it, if it doesn't provide you positive benefits, isn't doing anything for you, you can abandon it. 
but give it that three-week period to build it into an actual habit and personalize it to your own experience. Certainly. And assess then. Don't throw your hands up and never try. Right. Give it the chance. Yep. We're at an age, a lot of our audience is at an age where all we have is time. That is one of the most valuable assets we have is time. So use your time wisely and use it to try things that can Certainly. improve your mental health, improve your habits, improve nearly every aspect of your life, I would say. Mm-hmm. And don't even necessarily try all these things at once. Focus on one thing that you want to improve. So let's say you just want to focus on your diet. Focus on eating one healthy item per day or something like that. Ask yourself every day, what would a, a healthy person eat? Mm-hmm. Would they choose a burger or a salad? Right, and that doesn't mean you can never eat unhealthy. It, but it means you have to understand that the process into becoming who you want to be is how you're going to build successful habits. Not achieving the result; it's becoming that person. It's not looking like that person. Well, and I think we're gonna wrap today. Um, we're gonna reward the people who have listened to what is now probably like an hour worth of episodes um, with the discussion on one of the other factors that we think, and that's that. Generation Z is soft. Our generation is one of, if not the softest generation to exist. Right. There's benefits. Like that study said that we are now more likely as a generation to come forward. We're more likely now to recognize mental health issues. And that's great. But there's also the sense of there's too much recognition. There are some things that are really mental health issues, and we're not shaming anybody who has them. But if there's a serious traumatic event, there's an appropriate response to that versus if it's just like high school drama, mm-hmm. there's another appropriate response to that. And 100%. I don't think the appropriate response to high school drama is to let it build, to let it fester to the point where it is an, a depressive thought. Right. I think you're 100% right. And you said with high, like with high school drama, if, if a rumor, if rumors about you were the reason that you would consider yourself to be depressed, right? In my opinion, there's a very easy solution to that problem. And that is to simply, if you understand your purpose and who you are, you aren't going to let these rumors affect you. Now, that certainly doesn't justify spreading rumors in any way. No. Or spreading hate. That doesn't justify. That's not the point. The point is, is that you, you learn to understand that things said about you that don't affect you, which is a common very common stoic belief is the things that don't affect you there is no point in fretting or stressing over let it go there's a lot of things especially today where we focus on a treatment rather than addressing the root cause of a problem right if you agree with that yeah like um certainly there's a reason we didn't mention medication at all Mm -hmm. with these mental health problems do certain people need medication? Yes. Is there any shame in taking medication? Yes. But should that be your first resource? In my opinion, no. You need to look at evidence-based treatments or you know behavior-based treatments mm-hmm. and change your mindset, change your behavior before you right. look at like what is a crutch that is medication. Right. In America, medication has largely become a crutch, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to mental health issues. Yep. If there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, that's obviously outside of your control. There's obviously a reason for you to take medication. Certainly. But too often we rely upon this medication when in reality we could solve the problem just by changing our behaviors Simple and changing behavior our mindset. Changes. Well, I've had a ton of people tell me they are stressed or sad because um, 
of social media and that doesn't require medication all that takes is a simple step away from the phone it takes like two clicks of the button two and clicks the app's of the not button, there anymore put the phone down delete the app and boom problem solved but unfortunately i think today and this is like more of a societal thing is if you don't have it then you aren't classified or labeled as you don't fit in or you're not but that goes to unusual. the same thing around perception and rumors the perception that you don't fit in suck yes do rumors suck yes but are you gonna let kind of those sucky experiences influence your mindset are you gonna it are you gonna let it roll off your back exactly ultimately who do you think is the stronger individual the one who doesn't care doesn't care about perception keeps doing the things that they do that they want to do the things that they think are right mm-hmm. or the person who's constantly worried about whether exactly. other people think about them in order to in order to succeed you have to be willing to be indifferent you have to be willing to stand out and somewhat be an outcast and be a misfit you like you were saying you don't necessarily fit the ideal quote popular high school Mm -hmm. kid and that's fine because you understand that that's you don't want that you have a bigger purpose and a bigger vision for yourself Mm -hmm. and that's what people get too muddled in terms of the conversation around mental health with the issues they get too muddled in striving to Sometimes I feel like people are striving to classify themselves as something or give themselves mm-hmm. a self-diagnosis. They're striving to do those things when instead they should be just stri- striving to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in a situation making you sad, but why sit there and stew in it when you could use it as a reflection point to improve yourself, improve your mindset, improve your behavior, improve some aspect of yourself? Right. There's one thing I do want to say because I've s- this is something that's irked me for a while, and Although it may seem harsh, it is not in any way uh, untrue or controversial. If you are constantly worrying about, let, I'm going to use Snapchat as an example, but we could generalize this to social media. If you are constantly worrying about where people are, who has snapped you back, where people are on your best friends, it's where you are on other people's best friends. If that is something that is a part of your life in any way and certain other examples that can be um, attributed to that that is not a valid problem mm-hmm. and this is again my opinion I can't say that this is a fact because it is subjective but we believe that that is an objective um, opinion right right that, well think about it this way did anybody care about that 25 years ago did anybody care about about that 100 years ago and all throughout human history 25 years exactly all throughout human history we have certainly cared about social interaction but not to the point where social media has currently gotten us where it's 24 7 these are social media created problems they are not you created problems they're not problems that are pertinent to you and that's exactly where where i was saying we talk about worrying about the wrong problem that isn't a real problem but it, it feels real because it's everywhere right it's social, pushed on us exactly social media is everywhere in society it's pushed on us in society so if you have a problem regarding that it's gonna seem real but the most important part is becoming aware and understanding that it is so easy to avoid stress and depression with these apps by simply two clicks mm-hmm. it's and you talked about how there are simple solutions that's the simplest of them all it is very simple very simple um, it's not easy, and I think as well, like you said, doing that puts you away from the norm, which is uncomfortable. When you're comfortable, you don't grow. The only way to grow as a person is to become uncomfortable, and that's also a hard truth, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, the people who are deleting social media are the people who are striving to not care about what other people think of them. 
So if you're deleting social media, obviously the addiction cycle in terms of the dopamine it provides you makes it hard to do that. Of course. But your motivations are always going to stay consistent, I feel, when you have the goal. A lot of people who have that goal of deleting social media have the same goal of becoming more stoic, mm-hmm. less caring about what other people think, more indifferent. Right. And so they're not going to care about that label being thrown upon them. And so it's just surrounding yourself with a support system of people who support your visions and of people who are going to label you as not fitting in. Right. And you say that, you know, uh, deleting that like is certainly more of a stoic thing, whether you realize it or not. And you're completely right. And I want to say that if you have social media, that doesn't mean you're not going to grow as a person. But if you're worried about the wrong things with social media, then you will not grow as a person. It's with a lot of things. It's where, you know, is it the best thing to have it? No. But is it necessarily like a terrible thing if you do also no. it's how you use it it's what you're worried about how you use it how it affects your productivity just how an all-encompassing social media affects your life mm-hmm. if it's something that is there in your life but has minimal influence on your day-to-day behaviors and your day-to-day m- mindset your day-to-day thoughts then that's okay there are still positive aspects of social media but if you're somebody who's constantly worried about you know the b-reel just went off or this person snapped me or they mm-hmm. left me on red if you're someone who's devoting energy to that it's a negative experience because you could be devoting your energy to such better things mm-hmm. but not only are you devoting your energy to this you know non-productive thing it also has been shown to have negative mental health effects exactly the studies say that the studies show that and not only are you giving it your attention you're giving it your time imagine how much progress you could have made in a certain area of your life if you had put all the time that you spent on social media towards um improving yourself I don't even I can't even begin to fathom how much time I've wasted on social media and how that time could have been put to a better use. And that's certainly not saying social media is a terrible thing. Connecting with people across the world and having access to information is amazing. But when it's used in the wrong way, of course, it's going to have detrimental effects to the health of especially the youth because our brains haven't fully developed and therefore the adolescent mind is much more prone to be addicted to stuff at a young age if we're not completely developed, right? So being addicted to this dopamine and the um it's a lot easier for us and that's why these apps they target us mm-hmm. and it's they're, they're built around the attention of the individuals that's how these apps make money right so becoming aware of everything is crucial to succeeding in anything if you aren't aware for example like i said food if you're not truly aware of what you're eating you, you'll never be healthy i feel like that's a beautiful way to end our episode is be aware um we just talked about how our generation is soft be aware of that go home and do the reflection is this really something that i should care about is this something that matters in a week in a month in a year is this something that really should have the power over me to influence my emotions mm-hmm. go through that checklist if it is something that's not really trivial it's something that matters it's something that deserves that attention and does have the power um to kind of influence your emotions employ the strategies we've outlined go talk to a friend go talk to somebody who is a trusted figure go get help go seek help there's no shame in that practice stoicism stop worrying about things that are outside of your control improve yourself um physical activity diet sleep prove yourself reach out and you'll see a much better result in terms of your mental health if the reason that you don't seek help is because you're worried about what other people are going to think of you for looking vulnerable and weak the fact that you are trying to make a change speaks measures. Mm-hmm. The only people that will hate on you are the people who are doing less than you. So 
don't be worried about what other people think. Seek the help. You can always reach out to us, like we've mentioned before. Um, if you don't know something, inform yourself. If you need help with something, get support. Growing yourself is something you should never be ashamed of. And it doesn't matter if that's mentally, physically, spiritually. If you know that you can improve, then seek to do it with no shame. You have the tools to do so. We, we talk about how we live in a digital informational age. You have the tool to do so. So now it's about going out and executing. Exactly. Try as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Do not procrastinate your mental health anymore. It has huge impacts on your physical health, mm-hmm. on your ability to go day to day. And we've given you some tools that we've used and we think could be helpful. So go out and try them. We'd right. love to see stories of people improving themselves. We've already seen that from a few people in mm-hmm. this podcast. And we're going to end today's episode. I know it's a long one, but it's been a valuable one. And I hope that in some way, shape, or form, we've helped people in our discussion about mental health. This is the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, Episode 8.